Hello and welcome to Nikon Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Nikon news and all other photograph announcements that we found interesting. It's Konstin here. This is Becky. Whoopoo breaking news. Nikon officially announced 400mm f2.8 S lens with built-in 1.4 teleconverter. Woof, mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> so the new 400mm lens that was announced in a development announcement a couple of months back with the Z9 is now officially out. They've set it for sale start date sometime in February 2022. March. Um, <laughs> and now we finally actually have the details on the lens. We have the specification on the motor, vibration reduction unit, all the coatings they use, etc, etc. So we are here to share them with you. Absolutely. First up, there are some new pieces of technology that Nikon are putting into this lens, which we haven't seen before, or if we've seen them, they've been very quiet about, but now they're being quite public about. First up is the miso coating. Oh, I love miso. Miso's great. <laughs> really good with udon noodles. Yes, well, in this case, it's actually a coating on the lens. So this is miso amorphous coat, which differs from the nanocrystal coat that we used to see. So nanocrystal coat or nanoparticles are usually stacked, whereas miso particles, which are smaller, are actually stacked randomly for better coverage over the glass. Absolutely. So it looks like a nanocoating, the density is quite high, and in the miso coating, there's some air gaps. And that should help to combat ghosting and flare and by eliminating incidental light that coming from all directions. Yeah, so when it comes to diagonal light, for example, having those particles sort of slightly more scattered and varied and not in a consistent row or line, if you like, not consistent yeah. stacks, means that it will it will be able to block those out. So Absolutely. get very low refractive index. That's true. I wonder if you ever see seaweed coating at some point. The seaweed in the coating, yeah, maybe, or some wasabi coating. Anyway, so that was <laughs> that was that one. Next up, we also had a new motor put into this lens. So rather than our usual silent wave and stepping motors that we've seen in recent lenses, we now have a new VCM. All right. So it's a what is it, Becky? Voice coil motor. Not voice cord motor. No, not voice cord or voice recognition or anything. The lens is not going to seem. Unfortunately, but uh, but what it will do is focus much faster and more accurately than any other Z lens from what we understand. Absolutely. So that seems to me that it's actually they clearly said to us that it is better than the current motors that exist. So that seems like it will be eventually in other lenses like 800 mil that's already been announced or development of it. Exactly. It's also exclusively developed by Nikon, so you won't see this technology anywhere else for the time being. Very interesting. Okay, what else do we have there? Well, we have a bunch of buttons that can be assigned to all other settings. So we've got L function button, we've got FN uh, function button ring, focusing ring, and silent control ring. All of them are assignable via the camera settings. That's right. We've also found out that center of gravity is to the rear of the lens, which stops the lens from being top heavy. Now, for those of you that will be definitely interested in the weight, it is only 2.95 kilos, so 2,950 grams. Which is 22% lighter compared with F-mount version of the lens. Mm -hmm. And that's with teleconverter, which is built into the lens. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lighter lens all around, but also the center of gravity has been shifted back so that you don't find it so cumbersome and top heavy when you're using it on your camera. That's true. And it shouldn't stress the Z-mount as much as well, because the common issue of servicing with all cameras nowadays, especially for wildlife photographers and sport photographers, is that the mount of the camera 
eventually gets deformed. And even if it's deformed, let's say, at half a degree, the Nikon or the workshop will flag them that the mount would need to be replaced. So that should help with that issue. Exactly. Now, on top of that, we have five and a half stops equivalent VR. So very, very strong VR motor in there. Not bad. The interesting feature of the lens as well, that's uh, the knob on the tripod foot actually has a Kensington lock and we saw it originally in D6 mm. and then Z9 and it seems like it's becoming a more common feature on Nikon professional cameras. Exactly. Remember when we were at Photo London and they had Z7 yes. and 50.95 on the camera and Z7 was attached with some sort of Kensington lock attachment and the lens you could just easily come in, remove, put it in your pocket and go. Wonder off with an eight and a half grand lens, why don't you? Absolutely. It's a smart thinking on Nikon Park. Right? Very much. I do think it was just from experience that I'm joking. <laughs> from experience me running with the lens away from Nikon stuff. So the lens does have nine rounded blades. So you get this lovely kind of soft bokeh and you will see sample images coming out over the next couple of days. And they're also available now on the Nikon website if you'd like to have a look. The minimum aperture is F22 mm -hmm. or with the teleconverter is F32 in fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about the teleconverter. Teleconverter is very similar to what we had on 1H to 400 lens. Mm. You just switch between the, the lenses with just one click of a button, isn't it? Yeah, it's really just a, a very gentle lever that you yeah. pull down. and Flick it and it's done. So smooth. And you can obviously then add your teleconverter while looking through the viewfinder, which is one of the biggest things. You don't ever have to take your eye away from the camera to help you compose your subject. I think this was a successful move on Nikon's part in the 180 to 400. It made the lens much more versatile. Yeah. I like the idea that we're going to see this in other telephoto lenses because honestly, at the price point that these lenses are, you can't exactly buy one of each. Maybe you can. I can't. But, um, Absolutely. But the converter makes it more versatile. Absolutely. But before we get to the price point, I, I want to point out that actually with a built-in teleconverter, lens actually becomes a 560. Yes. And it's again a smart move when you can part because we have 400 being obviously officially announced now and we have a release development of 800 mil and nothing in between. So by looking at that, technically a lot of people who need 600 mil lens they can buy 400 mil and use with teleconverter. Of course, it's going to be one stop down, so it becomes a four, five, uh, 560 millimeters focal distance. But that gives time for Nikon to release a proper 600 mil while filling the gap with a 400 mil with a teleconverter. Very true. Didn't think about that. There you go. Here we go. Um, in terms of the lens construction, it is 25 elements in 19 groups, so not small. There are also seven elements in four groups in the teleconverter. Absolutely. The official images will be out on the day of announcement. We've also seen some YouTubers already have those lenses. We won't name them because they're Voldemort's of <laughs> Nikon people. They, they who should not be named. Absolutely. In terms of price, okay, well, it's 15,000 euros or 14,999. And in UK, it's 13,499 British pounds. Yes, not cheap. Yes. Yes. The lens will come with a lens hood as well as a new ballistic casing of a backpack style that the 200-400 lens had. It's called CLL3 and it looks very similar to CLL2 backpack. It does. We are very excited to see what this lens looks like in the flesh. Hopefully we'll be able to see one sooner rather than later with that predicted date of February 2022. That doesn't give us much time to prepare before the lenses hopefully arrive. So if you are interested in one and purchasing one from Grays of Westminster, obviously drop the shop a line and we'll make sure that you're informed when they do come in. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to testing that we, I think, should start planning where we can take this lens to. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere somewhere that 
you know, I would quite like to do some really long range portraiture with it, you know, do some polo Obviously, players on, on Z50. <laughs> <laughs> on the Z50, that's, that's the key there. Good. True professional, Baker. True professional. <laughs> All right, so let's move to the other news. We had a firmware update for Nikon ZFC, which had a support for infamous Z2875 of 2.8 lens, as well as increased refresh rate for the focus point display during the face eyes recognition subject tracking AF. Excellent. They also fixed the following issues. Pictures would be underexposed if taken at shutter speeds of 250 of a second or faster with a flash unit other than an SB5000. And they also fixed the fact that when zoom on or off was assigned to the AEAFL button, it then couldn't be used. So, wow. <laughs> yes. Good idea to fix that. Absolutely. And thank you very much. That's been all the news for this week. Uh, with Mika. The rest we literally had to scrub the internet for. Yeah. All right. So, I went to Asobinet, and apparently on the 11th of January, Nikon published some patents. So they had patent application for several lenses. Three of them were, one is 24 to 85 f 2.8 to 4VR. Another one is DX16 to 55 2.8 to 4VR. And the third one, which I think is also DX, 12mm to 14mm to 2.8 to 4. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Absolutely. As with all patents, those eventually happened, or it could take years for them to come in. But uh, those have been published. Uh, we're going to put some images in the video so you can have a look at the element structure, etc., etc. The next one up. Oh, no. Is the things we don't understand. I'm going to read the title as usual and Becky will try to make things of it. It's called Nikon's Robot Vision Tech can see down to 1mm at 500 frames per second. Wow. Okay. Wish me luck. Good luck. Nikon has showcased a new robot vision technology that gives automated assembly methods high speed as well as cognitive ability, which leads to far greater flexibility than what is currently available. So they say. Yeah, you're doing well, Becky. Thank Very you. well. So by marrying robots with a multi-camera vision system, Nikon claims that it can dramatically change automated manufacturing. Nikon says that its robot vision technology can make robots move extremely quickly whilst also remaining precise and flexible. In their demonstration video, Nikon shows a robot as able to recognize a nut in a falling pile of screws and pick it out before it hits the ground. Because of this, Nikon says that robots equipped with its vision technology are able to conduct complex operations that greatly expand the usability of robotics. Quite cool. Yeah, yeah. I can actually explain it to you, what's happening there. You know, on the factories, you have robot arms, yeah? Mm -hmm. So robot arms, and they move things on the you know, production line, they move things from one place to another. Yes. So imagine you put a camera on it, mm -hmm. which can then can recognize up to one millimeter. So it can recognize the objects up to one millimeter at 500 frames per second. Yeah. So that way you can move the hand a lot faster and also be more precise because of that. So effectively that arm now has a camera, has eyes. Yes. And that's what you can do. And the reason that that's exciting to us is because it gives us an idea of things to come in terms of camera technology. If you think about the algorithms that go into subject recognition in cameras, for example, in DSLRs and in Z cameras that we've seen now, and also in iPhones and everything else that has subject recognition, this is potentially a sign that this could become more accurate in the not too distant future. Absolutely. And in the world where the robots are going to take over the world, we need to be prepared for things like this. So we need to know what to expect. Very much so. Okay, let's move on to third party news. So we've got SEPA numbers for 2021. You ready for that? SEPA. Okay. All right. So basically, compared to 2020, November last year, everything's pretty much down except full frame cameras. So that's not as important. What's important is it looks like overall we will be up on 2020. 
by mere 300,000 units. Okay. But, you know, up is up, isn't it? So, up is up. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, let's look at the DSLR. So DSLRs are down 7% on amount of unit ships year to date, and shipped value is 83.2 billion. So it's minus 5% year to date. So what we can see from that is DSLR units are high, but shipped value is actually low which means that people actually don't buy expensive cameras anymore. So it mm. looks like a lot of DSLR sales come from the entry-level models. In Nikon's case, it would be something like D3500 or D5600, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Obviously, while cameras like, let's say, D850 and D6 may still sell, they may not sell in such high volumes and won't produce as much income for camera manufacturers compared to mirrorless units. Now, looking at mirrorless units, we are 10% up yet to date. We are at $297 billion um, in terms of shipped value. So $297 billion for mirrorless versus $83.2 mm -hmm. for DSLRs. Can you see how much difference is that? Yeah, huge. So people do tend to spend a lot more money on mirrorless system nowadays. So that just gives us an idea what's happening. So while DSLRs still sell, they're not on the same level as mirrorless. But it's obviously also easy to explain because a lot of people are switching to a new tech. Lenses that are smaller than 35 mil, so smaller than full frame, are down by 8%, but the ship value is up by 2%. Yeah, it's at 70.8 billion, right? So, and then we got full frame and larger format, therefore medium format lenses are 29% up here today and 240 billion in terms of shift value, which is 51% up here today. What that means? Means that the DX lenses have only sold 70 billion Yes. in terms of value and that the full frame lenses have been sold in the value of 240 billion but it also means that people are buying more expensive full frame lenses that's true that's and correct. more of them if that makes sense that's true but dx lenses sell in higher volume so while right. the actually shipping value is smaller the volume is higher mm. and again because dx lenses tend to be cheaper Yes. And again, the importance of DX lenses is obviously to renew users into the system. And hopefully with that, they will upgrade to future lenses as well. So that's that. Let's have a look at actual mirrorless share over DSLR shares. So we are 58.6% compared to DSLR, so which was 54.5 last year. And then in terms of ship value, again, it's 78.1%. So again, people to buy more mirrorless equipment over DSLRs. Now have a look at geographic shares that we discussed it last month. And uh, again, we're looking at Asia, including China and Japan. We've got Europe as well, as well as America. So in terms of DSLRs, EU and US still buy DSLRs. However, overall shipped value is smaller than mirrorless. We talked about that. So in terms of mirrorless, this is an interesting one because obviously Asia is a big market for mirrorless. So combined, so if you add China, Japan, and the rest of Asian countries, we got 46.4% in terms of mirrorless sales. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. So if you look for the rest, then America basically is at 26.9% and Europe at 22.3%. That's very interesting. So Asia buys more mirrorless equipment than US and Europe. So in terms of money spent, US buys more mirrorless cameras at 26.9% compared to Europe at 22.3%. Now, this may actually explain Z9 allocations. Oh, yeah, but then it makes me wonder how many Z9s did, did Asia get? Because as far as we understand, or what we've kind of heard on the grapevine is that the US got the lion's share. Yeah. I guess in the English-speaking world, we don't really get much information from Asia compared to, let's say, from places like United States and Europe. So, And from what we know, obviously, it looks like the whole month of production went to United States. Mm. And... I mean, I'm thinking as well, because USA is one country as well, with yes. a big buying power compared to EU, which consists of many, many countries. And then that adds another layer of bureaucracy. Imagine just you get the shipment to Europe and then you have to split it between each individual country. Yes. 
So I guess that's that's a bit been a headache for Nikon, but that I think explains why a lot of Z9 went to the United States. So those are CPU numbers for November. We will have a good end of the year CPU numbers probably next month. We're going to discuss the end of the year results. Yay! So looking forward to it. Next up, Canon CEO confirms that the Canon 1DX Mark III is going to be their last flagship DSLR camera. This is this is. Uh, this is big news. Is it the end of DSLRs then, Becky? <laughs> I don't want to get into that debate here. <laughs> I don't. But it is very telling. Yes. It's very, very telling. Because let me just tell you, let me tell you what the, the headline says. Okay. So in an interview with a Japanese newspaper, the uh, CEO, president and sh chairman, he's all three in one, of Canon, Fujio Mitarai, confirmed the EOS 1DX Mark III will be their last flagship DSLR camera as the company continues its transition to mirrorless systems. They actually issued a statement after the interview which said the broad details of Mr. Matarai's interview as described in the article are true. However, while estimated as within a few years, exact dates are not confirmed for the conclusion of development slash termination of production for a flagship DSLR camera. Absolutely. They had to come out with a statement because obviously the internet reacted and says, that's it, no more DSLRs. Yeah, but this emoji. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then the monkey. Yeah. You know. So the question is, what other companies make DSLRs in this day and age? I think I know only one. <laughs> it's a little indie brand called Nikon. Yes. Whether or not, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think that Nikon are going to release any such statement that would say anything like that. They will stick to their guns and say, yes, we are focusing on mirrorless cameras, but we continue to support our DSLR users, which has has been the statement for very many years. And I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. But do you think it's a sign for things to come? Of course. Do you think that eventually Nikon will say, okay, well, we stop production? Or do you think we, do you think we'll ever see, let's say, a D850 replacement? I don't think we will see D6 replacement per se, but... Uh... For sure, no. I don't think they're quite ready to hang up their mirrors yet, as it were. But I do think that um, if we see any more DSLRs, they will be... It will be one or two at the most. Yes. You know what gives me hope? is uh, that Nikon F6, which is Nikon Film SLR, was discontinued in 2020. Yes. Which is not bad, considering that a lot of other companies stopped their film cameras way, way before that. Yeah, do you think that if they don't bring out a D850 replacement, they'll kind of do the same thing with that and make that the last bastion of DSLRs going forward many years? Yes, I think we had a discussion about this about six months ago or so. Mm. And I think if it makes sense for them to just update the sensor yeah. and keep pretty much everything else intact, well, maybe change the processing sensor, leave the body, so keep the R&D to minimal because obviously we know that what's a focus system and it's not going to be enhanced because they're now all into that mirrorless system and then the, yeah. they're improving the F system there. Yeah. So if you change the sensor and update the process to handle this data. I think that's all they need to do just to keep the production cost to minimum and R&D as well. Yeah. My thought is that if we do see that type of camera, that D850 replacement, it will happen maybe within the next two to three years. And then that will be the the representative that will of the DSLR lineup for Nikon, if you see what I mean. Yes. And what do you think about something like Nikon FM10? which was produced by Casina and been discontinued, I believe back in what, 2005 or so. I could be wrong on that one. But do you think Nikon will still have one of those entry-level cameras? Could be made by Nikon, could be outsourced to someone else. I see what you mean, like a D3500 replacement. 
Yes. Yeah, that that was another one of my thoughts was that they might do another entry level camera. But if they do, the, the chip shortage really needs to be addressed first because that at the moment is the primary difficulty. Do let us know what you think. Do you think that Nikon will bring out a D850 replacement and maybe an entry level body replacement and keep those going for a number of years? Do you think the D850 slash D880 could have maybe another decade life in it? What year do you think Nikon will stop making DSLRs? Yeah. Let us in the comments below. Put your thoughts on a stamped addressed postcard too. <laughs> Next one up, the company Yongnuo. I pronounced it correctly, obviously, yeah? Yeah, Yongnuo. Yongnuo. Apparently, they are releasing the HFR 1.8 lens, which is also a focus lens for Nikon Z mount very soon. So the leak came out on the internet. So it will join the 20mm 1.8 and 50mm 1.8 lenses for that system that will have autofocus capabilities and will come out for that system soon. Looking forward to seeing what those are like. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one because obviously we've got Wheeltrox who is making autofocus lenses. It seems like this company is going to be the second one and we also have TT Artisan gearing up to produce autofocus lenses for that system. That's right. In other third-party news, new Eric Cine 21mm T 1.5 lens has been announced for the Nikon Z mount. So this is going to be a massive 95 millimeter front diameter lens chunky uh very chunky it's uh focal length is 21 millimeter as i said it's going to be i would assume manual focus yes definitely definitely it's quite a chunky lens it's actually quite attractively priced for senior lens it's only priced 1195 dollars so which is not bad yeah interesting and then for your reviews we have the nikon z9 review the best video camera of 2022 question mark by Gerald Undone yeah Gerald Undone is a big channel on YouTube which discusses everything to do with videography and sound so him reviewing this camera and saying it's actually is the best camera right now as a hybrid camera so which means it will appeal not only to stills photographers but videographers as well and that it produces fantastic video quality as well as image quality it's a big thing for such a channel which is quite well trusted which is not going for high previews or clickbaits i think it's a big honor for z9 to be reviewed by him absolutely then we have gloves for cold shooting with z9 100 to 400 and action by hudson henry photography now off the back of hudson henry photography's video about shooting with gloves for cold weather we also had philip dixon who's a professional photographer in the uk who also said that he has now tested his z9 with a gamut of lenses, which we will talk about on another podcast, but has also taken his gloves that he would normally use for shoots in the Himalayas in February, for example. And the touchscreen actually works with the Z9, but has not worked with previous Z models for him. So that's pretty good. Actually, that's I worth mentioning. Yeah, I haven't seen many videos discussing which gloves to buy for your camera. So that's really cool. And maybe for us, UK photographers, we, we don't really need really warm gloves unless you're somewhere in Scotland or Wales. But, you know, for some of you where it's nice and frosty, it's actually been quite frosty this morning. Pretty cool. So. Like every, every morning at the moment starts at about minus two, minus three. Absolutely. It's actually made me think that I'm missing an accessory in my camera bag. Snow gloves. Snow gloves. Oh, okay. And the warm socks. And warm woolly socks. And obviously another beanie. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't have enough of that. You can never have too many beanies. Then we have a Nikon Z 24-120 f4s review by Camera Labs. Okay, so what are the good points, Becky? Uh, so they've said it has very good resolution and contrast up to 50 millimeter focal length. There's almost no longitudinal color aberrations or purple fringing. Mm -hmm. I don't usually expect those things from Z lenses these days, to be mm -hmm. honest. Only little vignetting and no distortions. And that's the, the lens profile fixing that up. Fast and reliable AF operation 
low focus breathing, very little field curvature up to 50 millimeter, relatively nice bouquet, good image stabilization for four stops and the great weather ceiling focus and multifunction ring and function button. Yeah, they actually recommend this lens over 2470 f4. So for some of you who are planning to buy a lens now, it might be uh, worth a contender. Yeah, the only bad point I would say, or the only downside is the uh, fact that the lens is not parfocal, which is a shame. So if you are doing video work, then the 2470 f4 is actually still the better option out of those two. All right, and then we have a Peter Pixel review by David Crew, and he reviews Z28F 2.8 lens, which he calls tiny, mighty, and cheap. And his conclusion is basically the same, tiny, mighty, and cheap. Yes, we did like it when we reviewed it, and we have to actually get that review out, but it's a great little lens for a walkabout, for sure. A tiny, mighty, and cheap. Yes. For your weekend Read and Watch segment, we have Designer's Voice, Volume 4. Yeah. This is another article that we bring to you on Nikon's design process. This is actually available on the Nikon website. This Designer's Voice article, Volume 4, is actually about designer Yuoki, who talks about how he passionately pursues designs that connect people, not only with the product, but also to each other. So worth a read if you've got a few minutes over the weekend and want something photography related. La passion. And that's a wrap. Thanks for watching us this week. Absolutely. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube. Give us a follow, even a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. It would be very much appreciated. Absolutely. If you want to follow us on social sites, you can always find us on Instagrams over the world. That's right. I'm at Rebecca underscore Danese. And I'm at Constantine Kochkin. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.